I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go lonely, letting go strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. And apparently a very successful podcaster. I guess. I have fun facts for us. I love fun facts. I pitched this earlier in uh, the Lord of the Rings series, that if somebody gave us a 200th review, that we would shout their name from the rooftop. So I'm not going to shout it. We, our 200th review was by one President Tony Stark, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take that all day yeah, long. It's great. So to my man or woman who, who uh, put this out here, this, this is fantastic. They said this. This show literally revealed to me who I am, helped me make sense of so many of my actions and feelings. It has helped me understand the people I love most and deepen my relationship with them. It's helped me make sense of the challenging relationships in my life as well. It's even given me direction and challenge in my own walk with God. And to, if you were just going to like say, what would be the best kind of 200th review? President Tony Stark, you nailed it. It'd be that one. Yeah. Many, many thanks. Very grateful. Truth. And glad that it's like the work that we're doing is valuable to people. That's nice. We get to give a shout out to everybody else at this point because fun fact, TJ Wilson, at this moment in time, you and I have more stars than Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron combined on the Spotify. Yes. In fact, you could throw in a whole host of other uh, Enneagram podcasts as well because they don't have any stars yet. Sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> but obsessive star collector that I am, <laughs> I've been eyeballing this. So here's the thing. If you gave us one of the stars on Spotify, the big thanks that I realized we're not going to remain tops for very long, I imagine. Probably There's some true. monsters out there. But <laughs> for the time being, we are so incredibly grateful for your love on the Spotify um, but it's actually not just uh, the Spotify. We actually, fun fact, you want to hear something else that's just kind of fun? I'm just yes. going to start this podcast boasting. Great. We had, we had 10,000 downloads this month. Oh, wow. Which, which sounds like insanity to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a lot. I was cheering for 50 back in the day. I was like, <laughs> if only 50 people can get into our material, we'll be, we'll be okay. And I was like, six. Six is a good number for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's... All right. Just in, unless we go for an hour and a half on Faramir, this is the last episode of this Lord of the Rings series. That would be a ridiculous <laughs> conversation. Friends, if you went through all eight episodes, we are so proud of you. I thought this was going to be four. You know, <laughs> idealist that I am. How much could you possibly say about these movies? Apparently a lot. <laughs> well, we got our last two characters. Both of them, TJ typed as fours. Faramir and Frodo, it may be the alliteration. The, the alliteration is being pulled to you. <laughs> Final battle of fours with Faramir and Frodo. I hate alliteration.
patience. It is one of the things I despise. I heard we were watching a show the other night and somebody was making fun of alliterations and they said, you need an avalanche of Advil when people start alliterating and politician you know, speeches. Yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh because that's me. <laughs> but there you go. But we're starting with Faramir. <laughs> Faramir is one of those characters for me that is, uh, I never pay attention to really in the first few viewings. Yeah, agreed. And then later on, he becomes really core yeah. to my appreciating the depth of the movies. Yeah. He's actually a, like a fairly pivotal character a couple of times. And unfortunately, he does not get appropriate treatment in the movies for the work that he does in the books. But Yeah, that was like the big critique, has been the big critique. Yeah. Is that the, the character is just so different? I heard uh, the writers say you just can't have a character come on screen, look at the ring, and say I wouldn't pick it up if it was sitting by the side of the road because you kill all the energy you've tried to pour into how intoxicating that sure. ring is. I get that. but They could have tried, I guess. <laughs> whatever. I guess that's why I'm not a movie writer. That's it. But that's I like the one this reason. guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have Faramir as a nine. I found this character very difficult to type. Agreed. And will not be surprised if I move off of this very quickly. But just some to throw out, we both think that Faramir is a withdrawn personality. Yeah, no question. And that might be a good place to start. Why do you why where do you see the the withdrawing? Specifically for attention, if he's a four, what do you what do you see there? Well, I think that even as a captain of Gondor and as as a leader of men, it seems that his that all of the energy that he brings, and this this could be in part because of the way that that he's portrayed, but it it seems that he is not waiting for someone else he's he's not dependent in that way but he is sort of laid back and and always sort of like waiting to decide what to do and it, it's it's not that he's waiting for someone else to compel him about what to do it's that he's he's he sort of takes his time to make all of his decisions he's he's not really putting a lot out there for other people to sort of react to uh, there's just there's just a lot of like he he seems like he's pulling back in almost every scene that we see him in. Yeah. I see on this front that he is using a lot of references to the past. Mm -hmm. And that becomes for four, fives, and nines, using tools from the past to get what you need now. It's just real common. Yeah. There is a nostalgic element here, which certainly works for fours, but, you know, nines will, ha will have those tendencies as well yeah absolutely yeah the um nines and fours uh, and and fives all the withdrawn types there's there's a sort of looking to the past to inform what we're doing now what kind of plans we're making for the future etc and he has so much language and and sort of looking behind him that he's he's continually doing there's a scene where pippin comes out dressed in a uh uniform of gondor Freshly pressed, right. looking sharp, and Faramir comes around the corner, sees him in it, 
and just the waves of nostalgia right. go over him, and he sees that was my outfit. And and the the way that he tells that story is a very nostalgic kind of way. It it's it's I I I remember when this outfit was for a. a a small boy who would run around these halls. It's like, well, you could have said that differently, but that's part of his being seated in the past. This actually pushes into the four. If you want to go there, uh, cause there's romantic mm-hmm. remembrances here. Once belonged to a young boy, of the city, a very foolish one who wasted many hours slaying dragons instead of attending to his studies. Yeah, there's I, I think that is actually probably the biggest point for four for me is that romantic that the non pithy way of, of making my point is that so much of his language is, is very romantic. It is what is the prettiest way that I can say this thing that I'm remembering? Ooh, that's a good way. I like that. I've started noticing that Aragorn's a little too poetic for me at times. And so maybe assuming that we got Aragorn right, that he's a nine, maybe uh, that, that could be the writing also. These writers overwrite uh, occasionally. Uh, okay, let's let's talk <laughs> about Tolkien for a second. <laughs> maybe Tolkien overwrote a little bit. Could happen. <laughs> if you're going to invent the English department, you might as well overwrite. Right. Um, <laughs> There's another quote that there was a bunch of similarity between four and nine, and it's in Faramir's conversation with Frodo in Two Towers. Those that claim to oppose the enemy would do well not to hinder us. The enemy. And he walks to the body of a dead soldier that he killed with his bow, and he turns him over with his foot. His sense of duty was no less than yours, I deem. You wonder what his name is, where he came from. If he was really evil at heart, what lies or threats led him on this long march from home? He would not rather have stayed there. In peace. War will make corpses of us all. That screams both four and nine to me. He's had to kill a man, and yet he immediately can look at the man and say he had a story that mm-hmm. may have mattered. I agree. Uh, there's That actually is one of the quotes that I have to, to represent for for me. And I think like on that nine side, there is a, a sense of trying to help Frodo see the other side. But on the four side, sort of arguing against the nine, I don't think there's a reason to draw attention to this person from the nine perspective because there's there's not peace to be made there anymore. Mm. Frodo is talking about the enemy in a general sense and the peace that a nine would want to seek wouldn't necessarily be between a dead man and Frodo who's speaking about Sauron. Is it the case, do you think that nines don't push into peace as a principle, it's much more impracticality then. I think they that nines do push into peace as a principle, but but there's still the I I I guess the the thing that I'm taking from this little speech is Faramir's recognition of sort of the beauty in this other person. Yeah. 
and and I I don't know that I I think that nines yeah there is there is a push for peace in a general sense but but now that this man is dead I don't know that there's there's a, a reason to lean into that as much you know mm-hmm. whereas he's he's drawing out he's he's trying to point to what what this this dead man was serving and and the if this guy was still alive and Faramir were trying to get them to see that they were more alike than they thought they were, I don't have anything to argue against that as a peacemaking step. Right. But the, the fact that this man was dead, that's the part that's like, I have a harder time believing nine than four out of that. Right. I think that's a good argument. I don't have anything against that. I feel like the romantic language here of this dead person mm-hmm. in almost sipping the chalice, as it were, of this person's story, this person who was just killed in front of him, and he's washing in the dark romantic elements right. in tr- and, and showing, notice how depthy this is yeah. and how he understands it. Agreed. I think there would be a bigger focus on if if he were a nine, I think there would be a bigger focus on trying to get Frodo to change as opposed to oh, there you pointing go. attention to sort of right. the, the fullness of, of this man's life. Even perhaps more attention to Frodo. I bet you he would shift away from, as you were saying, it's kind of like, wouldn't the, the corpse at this at that point in time be kind of an energy suck? Right. Like move yeah. to Frodo who actually you have some you have to navigate that relationship now. Right. Bang. I never realized how much the heart's message for fours and nines are real similar. Mm. Nines want their presence to matter. Fours want to be seen. Mm-hmm. In his experience of his father, that feels like a lot of his language can kind of go both ways. Yeah. He clearly wants his presence to matter as as being a professional soldier who does his job really well. Right. And yet his father doesn't acknowledge how much he does. Right. But so too as a four, he feels like the depth of his character and contributions aren't recognized and there it is. Well, uh, and so I think that like we're we're now at, at the like the pithy version of of why I think that he's a four is that he's constantly living in his brother's shadow mm-hmm. and, and in this sort of like Eeyore-ish, why, why not me kind of attitude about it. And mm-hmm. it's not that his father doesn't see him. It's that his father doesn't recognize him. Yeah. And like he, he can't be seen in the shadow of his brother Whereas the the contributions that he's making, it's it, it it's not that Denethor is ignoring them, which is, I I feel like from from my own personal perspective of of being a nine and and the ways that I feel like that that idea that my presence doesn't matter, it's that it's more of a like I'm being ignored, whereas it seems like Denethor has a a particular kind of disdain for Faramir. Is there something there that Denethor can't get the leverage that he normally thinks he can with others? Being a two, we talked about Denethor as a two. Twos will store up favors, especially when they're in positions of power. Mm-hmm. It might be real hard to do with an idealist. Sure. Well, and, and when the only thing that Faramir wants is is to be seen and and mm-hmm. and acknowledged and 
and loved for simply being Faramir, there's there's no favors to be gained for that. Yeah. That's good. That's better than my, my claim. The the conversation they have about the ring, and this is where that materialist move that we referenced earlier, the screenwriters do talk about him rejecting the ring, but Denethor, speaking to Faramir about his loyalty, says, You would risk its utter ruin. I did what I judged to be right. What you judged to be right? You sent the Ring of Power into Mordor in the hands of a witless halfling. It should have been brought back to the Citadel to be kept safe. Hidden, dark and deep in the vaults, not to be used. Unless at the uttermost end of need. I would not use the ring. Not if Minas Tirith were falling in ruin and I alone could save her. Ever you desire to appear lordly and gracious as a king of old. He's trying to elevate his character in front of his father in a display that actually is worthy of recognition. And his father, toxic man that he is, sees virtue as some sort of deficiency. Right. And I would even go a little bit further and say that that Faramir is not necessarily trying to elevate his virtue, but trying to be true to what's in his heart. Yeah. There you go. That's a... And Denethor sees it as false piety. Right. Because Denethor can't see him. Yeah. Faramir probably knows that it's praiseworthy, though, as well. He has a good I radar so. for, for goodness. Yeah, but I think that's right. Is mm-hmm. it's it's I imagine it's a great good for a four to understand not only that they're being true to themselves, but also this is the good life, the virtuous life, the the life well lived is the one that I'm embracing. And and this decision is important as well. Yeah. Hmm. In another part of the conversation between Denethor and Faramir, Denethor eating says, Is there a captain here who still has the courage to do his lord's will? You wish now that our places had been exchanged, that I had died and Boromir had lived. Just the saddest expression of envy. Yeah. Just desperately sad. And so, like, he's, he's literally saying, you wish that I was someone else. Mm. That's exactly it. He's pushing into the places his son really struggles. Yeah. For leverage. Yep. Because Denethor's a terrible person. Since you were robbed of Boromir... I will do what I can in his stead. Bows and returns and just a pile on. Actually, this is a good line to discuss. Before he leaves, Faramir says, If I should return, think better of me, father. And then death or... That will depend on the manner of your return. Why would a four care about this man's opinion? Because he still wants to be seen. Yeah. That's all he wants. He wants to be seen. He wants 
if he can do this thing that he knows is an impossible task, then maybe his father will finally see him. And and in sort of a almost an anti-four kind of attitude, maybe if I can be more like Boromir, you'll see me the way that you see Boromir. Yeah. There's a reason that I'm sure uh, we're going to have some professional psychologists on the, the show in 2022. Great. The great Michael Shahan's going to join us this spring. But I'm, I'm real interested in talking with folks with some layers next to their name about their use of Enneagram and professional work. Yeah. Um, but there's a reason why I'm, I'm sure when, when doing inner work, you need to talk about your parents at some point. Right. Faramir is a super praiseworthy person. I imagine Faramir is actually a really strong judge of character when putting his mind to it. Right. Doesn't matter. Everybody in, in the audience knows that his father is a terrible human being yep. whose opinion, if he thought well of you, that would actually say you're not a good person. Right. You know? Right. You don't want to win the affection of somebody who's terrible. Right. You don't want to win the affection of people who are awful, and yet it's just ingrained in our DNA to care about what our parents think. Mm-hmm. Such a difficult place especially to be. Especially someone like, a, especially yeah. for fours. And especially for fours. Yeah. Mm. You know who does see Captain Faramir? The, a bunch of people. Uh, name them. Because one of my favorite lines in the whole trilogy is Faramir being seen. Uh, Frodo, Sam, Gandalf, and I mean, eventually, yeah, Eowyn. Let's talk about the Gandalf line. Love it, because actually, the his Faramir's language to Gandalf as yeah, it, it is like if you wanted to know how a four speaks, watch that scene where he is leaving on the suicide mission. Yep. That's entirely right. This is, you said four, I reread my script. I'm like, damn it, he got me again. <laughs> Where does my allegiance lie if not here? This is the city of the men of Numenor. I will gladly give my life to defend her beauty, her memory, her wisdom. Entirely right. Yep. Just romance, dripping. Yep. Absolutely. Gandalf yells after him. Your father loves you, Faramir. Remember it before the end. I think Gandalf is entirely mistaken. <laughs> I, I mean, don't... it's it's there, but it's useless. Might be. It's uh, okay. It's not useless. I think that if if that last moment between Denethor, like of, of Denethor seeing Faramir through the flames, and Denethor running off the the cliff in Minas Tirith, if that hadn't happened, yeah. I, I feel like the rest of Faramir's life would have been a little bit different. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? I Because he has like the tiniest glimmer of fatherly love. Oh, I see. Like the, just the they little gave, teeny, yeah. like this, this little sliver that he can hold on to. You got to give the guy a payoff. He's spent two movies trying to get an itch of affection yep and he got a little teeny tiny itch <laughs> man 
he hears that his son has died, that he's the cause. And the first thing that uh, Denethor says is, my line has ended. Because it's not about Faramir. It's about him. Right. It's about his line. Because he doesn't, because he's a terrible person. He's the worst. He's the worst. Can't and also, chicken. your line has ended because you sent your last <laughs> living son on a suicide mission, you piece of crap. That guy's the worst. It's the worst. What do you got a Frodo seeing a Faramir line? Then I can't. I don't have a line, but I feel like I remember it happening. Yeah, just in in the midst of all of the the conversations that Faramir has with good people. Mm-hmm. It's good people recognizing and pleading with him to be good. Man, okay, we need to talk about that. There is something, dear listener, if you're a good person, do listen to this. The, there's something about good people that don't they don't get recognized very often, except for by other good people. Right. And for so many, it seems like it's hard to own those sorts of praises if you get them, compliments if you get them, because you can dismiss good people very easily. Well, they're just a good person, and they're saying that out, you know, because they're kind or whatever. Right. But oftentimes, like the best people, man, don't get recognized. By average folks, but especially not recognized by toxic people. You're never going to get recognized by toxic people. And you don't want to be recognized by toxic people because that means you have met their standards. Right. Sam says to to him at the end of Two Towers. Captain Faramir, you've shown your quality, sir. The very highest. And that's building on that big image from earlier when Faramir, speaking over the ring, said that he would stretch out his hand and take the ring and show his father his quality, you know, that he had brought him a mighty gift or whatever. A chance for Faramir, captain of Gondor, to show his quality. Mm-hmm. Here, the hero of the story speaking very clearly, and Faramir returns the compliment. Shai must truly be a great realm, Master Gamgee. Why gardeners are held in high honor. That's a good line. Good. Yeah. Giving and receiving. Two good men. And they move on. Notice also that it's, it's, it's compliments for their type, too. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons that Gandalf's line doesn't work, is because that's not yep. what Faramir needs to hear. Right. Sam says to Faramir, you have shown your true qualities. And Faramir says to Sam that a gardener, even a gardener, is important. Mm-hmm. Those are things that, that speak to speak into the heart of a four and a six. And, and like the four needs to know that his father sees him, but the way that Gandalf says it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't hold any meaning to him. Right true tj what is the future of the union of gondor and rohan look like when you got a four king and a four queen coming together because aon we typed as a four man hopefully it'll be pretty (laughs) we're gonna have some beautiful right celebrations and honestly the the way that their reign their time is going to be remembered will be beautiful as well like uh, Mm -hmm. like thinking about the period of the renaissance Mm -hmm. 
you you don't think about like sewage in the streets as so much as you do about like Rembrandt and like like beautiful paintings and churches and like things of beauty being created during yeah. the Renaissance. True. I, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of art coming out of their kingdoms. I'm getting this wrong now that I'm thinking of it. Faramir doesn't get to be king of Gondor. That's Aragorn. Correct. But he's still, you know, he's still pretty important there. He's going to move over to Rohan and uh, dress up that uh, the stables, the kingly hall. And, and the <laughs> make the weirdly sort of desolate. Like, I feel like that those scenes in Rohan are like the Western yeah. part of this story. That's exactly it. Yeah. Tolkien loved him some horses. Uh, sure. World War One. that was his job in World War One was training horses that hadn't been broken yet. Huh. And then every time he broke a horse, then he had to hand it off, get a new unbroken horse. But that was his job. He had this great theory that if the English had had horses during uh, the Norman conquest, they wouldn't have been taken over by the French who completely Frenchified the English language. Uh, so everything, everything about Middle Earth is very, very English, except for the horses, which sure, and tobacco. Tobacco is a American import. <laughs> Fun fact. Um, Neat. That's why rabbits, not rabbits, they're conies. It's yeah, rabbits are from yeah. North America. Anyway, fun fact. All right. Well, <laughs> I dig. Faramir is a four. Didn't see it. This next character, however, <laughs> any last oh, words on Faramir before? Yeah. We get to the very final, the finale, the finally. Yeah, I, I think that having read the books, I think that Faramir deserved better, but it's fine. Faramir has, there's a lot of those characters that are mirrors uh, mm-hmm. in this, and uh, Faramir and Aemir are mirrors. They sure. both have fathers who are essentially kings who don't think much of them, but are grieving the loss of their older son. Sure. It's fun. Yeah. I like I like all of those parallels throughout Tolkien. All right, man. Moving on to Frodo. Here we go. Landing. It's the bottom of the ninth. That's a sports <laughs> reference, right? It is. Now, let me defer in two places. TJ had Frodo as a four. I have Frodo as a one. I mentioned this in our last episode that I think Elijah Wood... Every time I see him on interviews, just strikes me as a as very much a heart type. Yeah, that doesn't seem to me to be who this character is. And obviously, I get as as has been seen in the past. I just really get into the language that they use, and often that leads me astray. But his <laughs> his language has a ton of one going on. So I got Frodo as one, and. Uh, I'll, I would start with just a single line and we can talk about anything else you want to. Great. But this was a line for me. It's after Gollum has shifted. Frodo speaking to Sam, who's very skeptical. Oh, we didn't talk about Sam's skepticism, did we? No, we didn't. We should have, but... that Now that I say it, that's just uh, all I mean, over that. We did a little bit, but... I took that as jealousy and there's skepticism. Anyway. I think that's... I, I don't think we use the word skepticism, but I think we did yeah. talk about it. That is, let me clarify, Sam, we typed as a six, and sixes can be quite skeptical of others. Yep. Frodo says, Because I have to believe he can come back. You can't save him, Mr. Frodo. 
and that's what snaps Frodo. And he jumps on it, and he says, What do you know about it? Nothing! Quickly realizes he went too far. I'm sorry, Sam. I don't know why I said that. I do. It's the ring. Frodo again you can't raises take your eyes up. off it. I've seen you. You're not eating. You barely sleep. It's taking a hold of you, Mr. Frodo. You have to fight it. I know what I have to do, Sam. The ring was entrusted to me. It's my task. Mine. My own. Can't you hear yourself? Don't you know who you sound like? There's so much one going on here for me. There's repulsion to other people judging you. There's thinking that you're the only one that can do the task. And then there's the idealistic side of saving others. And that, that, this line in and of itself, this line encapsulates, I think, Frodo's heart and a lot of his motive for everything else that takes place. So uh, I have this line listed for four as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are once again at the place where we are uh, talking about a character who is clearly on a line. One going to four in stress and four going to one in security. And uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion about that and, and what that the qualities that they share for those reasons. And um, I agree so much with you about this sort of showing his heart, but where you see oneness, I see him viewing himself singularly. Mm -hmm. Like he, he, it, the ring was entrusted to me. It's my task, mine, my own. I'm the only one who can do this. Yeah. And there's there is a, a one-ishness about like when when one particularly unhealthy ones who view their way, their vision of seeing of of how to fix things as as they're the only ones who actually see it. But I feel like Frodo lives there. That that this is coming out that is actually coming out of his heart that he sees himself as sort of set apart from everyone else and you see that language throughout from the beginning of the story to the end like literally the end when he's leaving middle earth you see this thread of him viewing himself outside of whatever else is normal so that's my big argument in a nutshell my, my language on this, I think it, we obviously have debated a handful of characters on the line, and that just, it's a uh, common for me, uh, I think in our discussion, is going to be he's carrying, you know, the source of evil in his world, and that may have push you into some stressful posture. Sure. I, I, think, I think he commonly is kind of living in a stressful space, yeah. a very self-aware space, and that's coming not out of, I, I would argue it's not coming out of his foreness. It's coming out of his oneness going to his stress number for support. Sure. But that would make a ton of sense for Frodo to appear to be a four because of that. Right. We do, Suzanne talks about this a handful of times that a lot of her vets that she works with end up typing as their stress number all the time because they've never mm -hmm. been able to, 
to process back into the place of center, you know, sure. yeah. and then that may be, that may be what's going on with this character. Yeah. And that, that I think that is a very important, like regardless of how this discussion, how this debate ends, I think that that is a very important note to make is that, that if he is a one, which is a very reasonable argument, then he is living in stress. And yeah. that is not, that is not a completely fictional thing that happens. That uh, there are a lot of people in the world who are living in their stress number. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's, that's a really hard place to be. Yep. Uh, question. Do fours want to save the world? Sometimes. I'm trying to think of what this... So I'm a big fan of Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm who I would type if you watch the T.E. Lawrence, uh, it's a famous movie from the 60s, I believe. Lawrence, sir. Minutes. Good morning, sir. Salute. If you're insubordinate of me, Lawrence, I shall put you under arrest. It's my manner, sir. Your what? My manner, sir. It looks insubordinate, but it isn't really. Well, I can't make out whether you're bloody bad-mannered or just half-witted. I have the same problem, sir. Shut up. Yes, sir. That character, if you've seen the movie, is the only one for that I could really think of uh, that's a hero in a movie that really wants to save the world. Sure. We typed Han Solo as a four. That strikes me as much more the heroic side of four. But I don't think that Solo is a hero until later. I think yeah. he's drawn into his heroics and lives in his like normal fourness for a while before he decides to actually join the team. Being Han Solo, he seems like he should be singular, and he just isn't. He's always with other people. <laughs> He's got a big furry buddy all the time. He ain't Solo. Sam. What? What's that? Sam. Samwise. Samwise is... Brothers with Sam the whole time. He wants... The, the end of that movie is him really wanting to get away. It's really Sam that pushes the partnership. And actually, Frodo casts him away there at the end of uh, Return of the King. But he's, he's still not alone in that moment. At the at the end of Fellowship, he's leaving to to save everyone else. Go back, Sam. I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are. And I'm coming with you. And even at the end of Return of the King, he's it's not actually at the end when he casts Sam away. It's he's still not alone. He has Gollum. Yes, that's true. Yeah, at that point, true. The I'm not. I would be curious if he. Does Gollum count as as a companion? Hmm. <laughs> um, does he in leaving Sam is he leaving Sam in the fellowship because that's the right thing to do, or is he leaving Sam in the fellowship for some other reason at the end of fellowship? My general sense of that has always been that he thinks that he has to do this alone especially because of the way that Boromir reacts. Mm-hmm. Because he's the only one who can carry the ring that he has to do this on his own now. Yeah, and that's just his belief. Yeah. It feels like a one-ish belief to me. That I, you'd be, I feel like one's, well, me, I can't speak for four's hair, but it feels like one certainly would come to that conclusion very quickly. I I've, I've agree with that, but I, I think that like it, it exists in both ones and fours, but I feel like in fours, it's more of a, an innate feeling 
Whereas in ones, it's a reaction to being not rejected, but if nobody else is going to help me, then I will do it myself. Yeah. The one place that really does push into four for me, aside from Elijah Wood's betrayal, which seems very <laughs> self-focused all the time, the not that fours are entirely self-focused, but there is a lot of yeah. awareness of how you're feeling. And, yeah. Is the conversations that Frodo has with Gandalf feel like they're very much about himself. One's going to four would have those kinds of conversations, but if that's where just the natural way that Frodo is processing what's going on, him saying... I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. I don't know if that counts as envy, but it certainly has there's that a, kind of... There's a sense of envy to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that actually is a, is a better way to understand envy as we need to think about it for fours. Right. Is that, that I wish I was something different or had something different or or didn't have something different so that I could be like other normal people on the flip side the sin that one struggle with isn't in frodo's mouth very often i don't hear yeah, you don't see critical and and you don't see anger coming out of him very often at all mm. i think a lot of ones are composed on this front in terms of how their anger the anger goes inward but it's 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 still present and especially when it stops going inward, it becomes not, not toxic, but the, but the way that it express is expressed outwardly mm -hmm. is very judgmental. And uh, like it, it, it comes out in a way that you can point at and I, you don't see it in Frodo. You, you only see anger like, like a couple of times in Frodo at all. Let me let me point out too. I think they get to part of this isn't going to help me because it's going to be his coping style, and there'll be frustration here, which yeah. both which fours share. But right. when at the beginning of Two Towers, when they get lost in the rock fields or whatever, they it's like they're in this foggy mountainous region. This looks strangely familiar because we've been here before. Yeah, we're going in circles. Yeah. And the frustration that's there that can go both ways. Is that a, I don't know if like force frustration comes out. How see you see that there again, we come to a performance problem because mm -hmm. to me, I don't want to say whiny, but <laughs> whiny might be a better word for how Elijah Woods Frodo. Yeah. Expresses that. And I think yeah. that is, part of how the sort of frustration comes out for for fours it's like when when you can point to fours really like being not only down on themselves but down on on the ways that they're the stuff that they're hoping for isn't working out mm -hmm. it comes out in this very like Again, I don't like the word whiny, but but it is sort of this woe is me kind of language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a pairing, perhaps the frustration comes out more envious, to use that word again. Yeah. Whereas the one's frustration is going to come out as anger. Yeah. That's not Agreed. really in that language right there. Right. The angry side of Frodo comes out in another scene where Sam is um, bad-mouthing Gollum. Hey, stick 
Hitler, don't go getting too far ahead. Why do you do that? Oh, call them names. Run them down all the time. Because... Because that's what he is, Mr. Frodo. There's not left in him but lies and deceit. It's the ring he wants. It's all he cares about. You have no idea what it did to him. What it's still doing to him. I want to help him, Sam. There's a protective moral sense here. Mm-hmm. A justice sense, and that was a place where he kind of gets up and is, you know, the fur on his back is up kind of scene. Yeah. I don't know that fours do that. Go ahead. Well, but 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 look specifically at 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 the words that he's saying, not necessarily the the content of what he's saying. He says, "Why do you do that? What? Why do you call him names and run him down all the time?" That is not prescriptive language, which is ones are more likely to be prescriptive. Like he he's not saying stop doing that. He's he's trying to get to why Sam is doing that. Like his, his, his language is inquisitive. I feel like it's an unconscious appeal to a moral rule. And, you know, growing up in the house of a, a one who routinely used questions of this sort. Mm. So uh, why are you doing that right there? You know? <laughs> sure. Oh, uh, you know. So when you said this, were you really trying to... <laughs> I'm trying sure. to think of something my dad would say. This, this isn't how he would say things like that, but it would it would come out as these. There's a question I realize, but it's really a statement going on there. Yeah. Well, and 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 for me, the the place where this sort of lands, the the sort of crux of of this discussion between Frodo and Sam, that that leans more toward four for me. When when Frodo says, "You have no idea what it did to him, what it's still doing to him." I want to help him. Like there's, there's a sense of, of Frodo seeing the, and and I, I, we're still on the line. So this this goes. Mm-hmm. You can argue this both ways, but but to me, there's there's a sense of Frodo sort of seeing the beauty that is in Gollum and seeing yeah. seeing the character that's there and wanting to draw out what's good about Gollum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's reaching reaching for his secure side there, didn't you? Yeah. I wonder if an easier play there might be that he sees himself in Gollum. You don't even need to get to one. You can just say, I actually see myself in this right. other character. It and, doesn't and have to be a security move. The last part of that is, bec- is not because I want to save him, but... I want to help him, Sam. Why? I have to believe he can come back. Because I have to believe he can come back. Well, I, I mean, that works for both fours and ones, yeah. I mean, the idealism there is... That's but, what I see. What he but I think that the implication of it is that I have to believe he can come back so that I can believe that I can come back. And and yeah. that means that it's a, it's a, it's a self-focus more than it is uh, sure. about... Yeah, yeah. Goodness. Oh, there you go. And that might be a critical interpretation because I think that's great on the foresight. Mm-hmm. That line screams one to me on the front of it because you're, you, it's, I need to believe that the world has meaning and that it, things can get improved in the general sense. 
But, but if you it, if you see Frodo as seeing himself in Gollum, which I I think there is a clear thread of Frodo seeing himself in Gollum. Yeah. If if we're talking about pairs, Gollum and Frodo are. Yeah. True. The one thing that Gollum didn't have is a companion. Mm. Because he killed him. Only other rules and standards. <laughs> just, just, I don't know why I thought that was funny. It was just kind of a nice little tag there. You know, murder. <laughs> At the end, when they're fighting over the ring, Frodo and Gollum, Gollum's on top of Frodo. And he's and Frodo's yelling out. You stole the precious legal promise. There's an appeal to a rule. <laughs> that was the only moral rule that I had <laughs> that popped up for me. Or an appeal to um, were you truthful? Okay. Before that's what like a four would do, or are you a false person? Yeah, there you go. Actually, you know what's an appeal to? It's not the whole of this, but it's actually one of the most important scenes for Frodo and Sam is where uh, Sam is caught with crumbs on his jackets, mm-hmm. and there is something about oh wait, you can't be eating all the elvish bread, and that tips that at least tips Frodo. It's not entirely why he sends Sam back. He sends Sam back because. Gollum has put in Frodo's mind that he's going to ask for the ring. Right. But it starts with the eating of the bread. It's gone. The elven bread. What? That's all we have left. He took it. What's this? Crumbs on his turtles. Whole turtles. Whole turtles. Yeah, but I'm not sure that that's going to help either of us. I think you're right. <laughs> Is there anything <laughs> we're saying about him sending Sam back? Does a four send his, you know, Sam away? No, Sam. It's you. I'm sorry, Sam. But he's a liar. He's poisoned you against me. You can't help me anymore. You don't mean that. Go home. Fours are constantly, continually pushing people away. Yeah. Not for this reason, though, don't you think? I mean, it's not like he wants Sam to come back, does he? I feel like he eventually does. I mean, yeah, true enough. I feel like fours push. Let me restate that. I feel like fours push people away in order to get them to return. I think that that is an oversimplification of what's actually going on with fours. Yeah, I think fours push people away because they feel like people are going to leave anyway. Because they feel in in a similar way that that eights don't want to be betrayed. Fours expect people to leave them. Fours expect to be alone, to be singular. And eventually people are going to leave me because of my own deficiencies and whatnot. And I don't know that a lot of Fords would necessarily voice it that way, but that's sort of getting, I, I think that's sort of a getting to the crux of what they're, they're sort of feeling inside. 
And so they push people away because they feel like they're going to leave anyway. Yeah. That feels entirely right. That does not feel like what's going on in this scene. I agree. I, th- I think that, that he is, I think he's pushing Sam away because he feels like it's time to finally cut ties with Sam. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, he's, he's so poisoned by Gollum at this point. I, I don't know what's actually going on in his mind mm. and in his heart. He's all hopped up on ring magic. <laughs> and then Gollum comes along and leads him astray and... I suppose that's true. Like the dehumanizing, the raving process has taken place in Frodo. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to push into what Frodo and Frodo's motive is at right. some levels. That's, I think that, I think that's worthwhile response. A last scene that struck me as interesting is that I feel like he is aggressively honest throughout these movies, almost like an overshare at times. It's like, he's very much, let me restate that. He's really bad at lying. Yeah. He t- has to tell his name. Always proud to cater to the little folk, Mr. Underhill. My name's Underhill. Underhill. And, and the bartender's like, okay, kid, <laughs> whatever. Right. <laughs> you, you, you're meeting somebody you shouldn't be up in the, you know, the hotel upstairs. Right. That's where that's, it's the kind of, that's his underhill. Okay. And then when he lies to Faramir. And where is your skulking friend? That gangrel creature. He had an ill-favored look. That's one way to describe Gollum. <laughs> An ill-favored look. You know what? I wasn't too sure about that naked man with the loincloth <laughs> <laughs> that looks like he's been out in the sun for 200 years. Like six total <laughs> strings of hair that are like like shoulder length. <laughs> Hasn't seen a dentist recently. I mean, all the, the ill-favored look. Now, <laughs> I, I will also say that my toddler today... Uh-huh. Come on. ...seeing Gollum... Looked at the TV and went, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Frodo is reluctant to say anything about Gollum. He's protective of Gollum. And Frodo goes, uh. There was no other. We set out from Rivendell with seven companions. One we lost in Moria. And. We lost one in Moria. Change the subject. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just real bad at lying. He is real bad at lying, which is not an argument in favor of either one. Man, I just personally, I'm just crap at lying. I'm the worst. That's true. You are really (laughs) bad at lying. But I've known some ones that are not bad at lying. Can I tell you? I don't know if I've ever said this. I think my wife's biggest critique of me throughout the whole of our marriage and prior to our marriage has been how terrible I am at lying <laughs> and that I need to get better at this Which, <laughs> when we're telling people we can't go to parties, when it, we're telling yeah. family members about in, the presents in we got them. Defense, <laughs> part of why she's so frustrated about that is because you can't uphold the lie that she's telling. Oh, I know exactly why. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is true. Which My means brilliant. that you ruin <laughs> pranks, presents, <laughs> excuses where you didn't yeah, all all kinds of things. 
<sighs> but also, like, I have known fours that are pretty good liars, but also fours are desperately interested in authenticity. Yeah. And uh, so okay. many of them are terrible liars because they don't want to put falsehood into the world. Okay. I guess I could see that. My only other argument for Frodo is a one is he seems real secure in the Shire and he's way more outgoing. Dare we say kind of seven-ish. Oh, here's another rule. Gandalf shows up and Gandalf's late. You're late. It's the very first thing out of Frodo's mouth. You're late. Which now that we're talking about security doesn't help me much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but okay. So him and the Shire... We have almost no evidence of him being outgoing. Mm-hmm. Like those first few, like that first half hour of taking place in the Shire, there's very little to go on about who he is. Sure. Because enough. all we really see is him interacting with Gandalf and then Bilbo and then Gandalf again. I mean, he's and at the party. Leave. He's at the party. He's drinking with the guys at the pub. He's, you know. But he's just there. He's not necessarily like, if this is a scene of him in in security, there isn't really any particular sevenness about him. I don't know. He just seems more adventurous. He's calling Sam to to get up and dance and have a drink with Rosie. And it it just feels like he's loose. I agree, but I don't see that as, it seems like he's, comfortable there but i don't see it as necessarily like insecurity okay yeah i guess that's what i got the i suppose i just saved the last image uh i got one more quote for us if you got nothing else on frodo um i did want to talk about uh the way that he talks to sam they're i'm pretty sure they're in mordor like we're coming to the end and sam says do you remember the taste of strawberries uh-huh and frodo says oh, sam i can't recall the taste of food uh, not the sound of water uh, the touch of grass I'm, I'm naked in the dark there's, there's nothing no veil between me and the wheel of fire. I can see him with my waking eyes. Between me and the wheel of fire, I can see him with my waking <laughs> eyes. And and you had spoken before about Eowyn discussing like waking up from a dream. Yeah. Yeah, with the wave. And, and the description of her dream yeah. is this the, this beautiful and and sort of tragic language. Mm. And like like this to me is basically the same thing except describing his waking nightmare. Yep. On that side, it's if he's a four, then Sam's almost trying to meet him in his nostalgia and his there it's clearly a terrible situation they're in so let's sprinkle some beauty on it i imagine that would be compelling yeah to the heart of the four perhaps bring some balance here 
but I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's, I hear that as, uh, <clears throat> we haven't talked a ton about this, but the coping style for fours is going to be emotional response. And mm-hmm. there is this deep desire for people to see how much he's suffering Yeah, in, in that line and in a whole host of other lines. I've kind of tried to stay away a little bit from some of the stuff that if we were talking about Frodo from the book, there would be no discussion. He's a one. Oh. I, I think that Frodo in the book is a one. And the character portrayed by Elijah Wood has has so, so much emotionality to him. And, yep. and I've tried to like refrain from leaning too hard on that. Mm-hmm. Because like it, there's there's such a clear difference to me because of the portrayal in the movie, right? And and because of the way that he sort of seeks like like coping style is a, a perfect example of like he he is continually seeking sort of emotional validation from the people around him. Mm-hmm. Don't you see how hard this is for me? Mm-hmm. And I I don't think that is one at all. I think that's very very much for but i also think that that is elijah wood's portrayal within these films that were written by screenwriters whereas the tolkien version of frodo i think is much more one-ish agreed tolkien version uh frodo's like 65 when he he has the ring for a while (laughs) before he sets out and elijah wood is perpetually like 19 (laughs) he's like paul rudd 20 years ago (laughs) I was listening to the radio today and Casey Kasem came on. I was like, how is this guy still alive? He's still alive? Are you <laughs> he serious? Was, he was we lost Betty White, but we still have Casey Kasem? Hello, I'm Casey Kasem. <laughs> this week, a viewer writes, Casey, whatever happened to Eddie Fontaine? And was wondering if he still records. Bill Naper, Billings, Montana. Well, Bill, Eddie was accused of assaulting his manager with a deadly weapon with intent to kill. Sounding the same. Have you seen any of the memes about uh, Betty White being, this being uh, 2021 being the Balrock, <laughs> Betty White being, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's all over the place. That's, it's hilarious. That, I will look those up. That's apt. Let's, let's hope that she takes it all down with her. Ugh be great she returns to save us all now what color will betty white be when she returns golden gold there it is i'm i'm no longer betty the white (laughs) (laughs) so good all right well a fight breaks out in rivendell become between a bunch of racists who are making fun of each other's cultures and their people groups all fighting over who's going to be responsible for the one ring. And Frodo Baggins steps up and says, I will take the ring to Mordor. I think that's the line of the movie in a lot of ways. This is kind of the heart here. 
what's what's coming out of the heart of a four there? A fight breaks out in the room, and the smallest voice in the whole space, non-assertive, not directive or prescriptive, the smallest voice says, okay, I'll do it, but I can't do it alone. Oh, that's an invitation to others. He can't do it alone. No, he can't. He doesn't know. He he takes a. He doesn't know which way to turn when they walk out right. of Rivendell. Right. Mordor Gandalf, is it left or right? Left. That's that's interesting. I don't know the way. Is uh, will you see me carrying this? But I need you to come along. Yep. And. And it's not, this has to be done. It's, okay, I'll take this. I'll do it. Well, that feels very one-ish to me. Why would that be four-ish? To me, it's, it's taking on the burden yourself. I, I, I will be the singular. I'll, I'll be the only one. But I need help. And I would imagine that a one would be more likely to say, this is the only way that it can get done. This is what has to be done. Yeah. There's not a argument taking place here. There is what it's a volunteering. He is but, volunteering, but, but it's, he, it's, it's this weird and, and a, like another point for four there, there's this weird, like push pull kind of, I'll do it myself, but I need help. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's like, this is one of the things about four is that there's, there's like this constant push pull, like, like you, you, we, we discussed earlier about fours pushing people away to get them to sort of come back. And like, there's, there's this weird, like, I, I want people to see me and, and be part of my life, but I'm expecting them to leave. So I'll push them away and hoping that they come back. Like this, this, this weird push pull thing. Yeah, you can see it. You can see it clearly in really unhealthy, toxic fours, but um, it's it's much more subtle in you know normal to healthy fours. And in the same way, it's this: I'll do it myself, but I can't do it alone. Kind of thing that that's the gentleness of it. That's a good. That's a good is, word for that. Yeah. It. I would expect a one to be much more like I keep using the word prescriptive, but I think it's, it's, it's such a good word. Yeah. No, ones. I think that works there in the middle of a board room meeting <laughs> where everyone's yelling at each other. The, the one would yeah. make an argument. That's what Boromir does. If Boromir's one, right? He does. In a dream. I saw the eastern sky grow dark, but in the west a pale light lingered. A voice was crying, your doom is near at hand. Isildur's bane is found. This is the argument for me having the ring. This is how this ought to go. Right. And then he tries to shoot down competing ideas. Right. Take note ones, man. They don't want to hear your argument. Just say, hey, I'll, t- I'll, <laughs> I'll do the thing. We should do this thing. I'm not going to tell you why. I keep that to myself. Well, you okay. Can, I mean, you can argue why. Like, I, I think it's good to present your your reasoning behind why you think that. The problem is you're the that one. you think that you're the 
ones, not not you specifically, <laughs> Jeff. All ones, you know, is that you think that your way is the only possible way, and uh, as as seen by Boromir as well, right? As a self-identifying one, I want to make a pitch, and then I want somebody else to shoot it down. But if you can't shoot it down, then then it is the right way, because because well, but but even when we do shoot it down, you have to you have to be convinced. That's okay. I mean, that I think that you need to be convinced by my argument. I'm not just assuming that I'm right. Take well, note of are. take and note of all the people that we've disagreed with. Convinced <laughs> in in rational discussion about why you're to, wrong. I have to be convinced that reason says that this is the right way to go. Yeah, that seems like a super healthy place to land. <laughs> I don't know if you've paid attention to the last five years of our planet, but. <laughs> If I was putting my chips on somewhere that was probably the good place to land, that seems good. But I'm going, you have to I'm, be convinced. No, I'm going with reason. Yeah, but if you if you, yeah, we're gonna get <laughs> way too far in the weeds on this one. And <laughs> I'll tell you what, you have done a fantastic job overcoming my objections. Notice how reasonable I'm being. However, you have one last bridge of Kazadoom to pass over. The Balrog is has risen up. The Hurrit's book behind me longs to have one final say. Can I have one more point? Oh, sure. The very last thing that happens, the last thing that Frodo says. We set out to save the Shire, Sam. And it has been saved. But not for me. That's a good line. From beginning to end, he sees himself apart from everyone else. Yep. He's not included. There is a, a side of that. I had that marked down as a one line that it reinforces the I do it alone side mm. of things. But I I do like that interpretation on the four better that I'm not. I'm part of the crew. I even want the crew to come along, but I'm never mm. part of the crew. I'm always, right. there's always some distance there. There's always some reason why I, I, I why it's not for me. Mm. All right. Let me pull out the book. All right. All right. Oh, so this is our typing <laughs> this is our typing chart from the back of uh, the sacred Enneagram. Ones and fours. Mistyping frequency is rare, it says. Unhealthy ones might mistype as fours. <laughs> Real healthy fours don't mistype as ones. Is that another thing? Well, I think that... We could talk about that, but I think it gets into an entirely different discussion about arrows. So, Here we go. All right. Is uh, Frodo a one who focuses on duty or a four that focuses on feelings? He is carrying the ring out of a sense of duty, and he is constantly talking about his feelings. I have. That's a, that's a both and for me yep. as well. Is he self-denying or self-indulging? I mean, there aren't any skinny hobbits. Come on. <laughs> it's true. That one's tricky. because It he, is tricky. Like, he, like on, on this journey, I, I don't know that he's self-denying, but I, I don't see him indulging either. Yeah, there you go. I think that's, I think that's right. Does he, uh, is he a one that pushes people or a four who withdraws from people? Yes. Right. Is he a one that's disciplined or a four that's whimsical? That's maybe a way to interpret his time in the Shire. It's not adventurous like a seven. It's whimsical. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. 
Let's see a one that is constant or a four that's changeable. Ooh, he feels like a real consistent character to me. Even as he's going downhill, it's pretty predictable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I have anything to say about what was the word he, for four? Changeable. Changeable. I... Is that a fair word well, for fours? Are they fluctuating <sighs> in that way? I think that maybe emotionally fluctuating. Well, but is that what changeable the, is about? So I, I think what he's trying to get at is that, that f- ones will present consistently mm-hmm. as themselves, whereas fours will present the fullness of whatever they're feeling in that moment. And in, in, in that sense, I think you could make an argument either way. Like mm-hmm. he, he is consistently himself and also he joins the fellowship and then leaves all of them there you go, to be true. by himself. And then he is constantly and continually and totally dependent on Sam who he says, go home. Yeah, his constancy isn't based on principle, I think, in the way that this would right. want to suggest. Right. His consistency comes out of character. And and pushing toward a single goal as well of getting the ring yeah. to Mordor. There you go. Noting, uh, to circle back to the first dichotomy here, that he's focused on duty versus focused on feelings. He feels very deeply that it's his duty. Right. That's how he gets there. It's not a, you know, a cognitive exercise. Right. It's, that's a one-ish way to come to duty is let me think through the principles. Mm-hmm. Once he's there, that's a, that again, that, that strikes me. Frodo's a character of immense character. That was circular. He's a <laughs> character of character. Those are two different types of characters. Right. Frodo's a man, a great character. And so you can be a four of great character and be constant, even though, yeah, even you can be a four who's a person of great character and have real consistency. Right. So, anyway. Principled like a one, self-centered like a four. Man, that doesn't shine well on the four. That's, that's, a, that's, yeah. that's a hard... Are, are you principled or do you only care about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> right? What? There are no that's, self-centered that's ones, that's for question. sure. Terrible. Emotionally constrained like a one or emotionally expressive like a four? He's very expressive. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that that's, I mean, I know, do are ones emotionally constrained? Is that a. I think the the point being drawn there is that ones are in control of their emotions in in a way that, like, they don't want to have outbursts because that's inappropriate, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas as fours want to express fullness of their emotions. There you go. Yeah. Books can give you a very big fat pitch for this last pairing. Is he judgmental like a one or empathetic like a four? Yes. Oh, do you think he's judgmental? <laughs> but I would lean a little bit more on, I, I guess he's not really judgmental. It doesn't really come out. I I think there is some of that to his character, but you don't see it as often as you see empathy come out. Yeah, I think is I I suppose that his empathy it seems to me is all over this character. But now that I say it, I'm not sure. He's empath he empathizes with Sam's 
struggle for significance, mm-hmm. even though he's clearly the leader and he obviously is empathetic towards Gollum. That's a central part of that relationship. And it may be the case that that's self-serving, but it, it, it and the like when we initially encounter Gollum, that's that's the one of the big places where the judgment lies. And I think Gandalf flips oh, a switch sure. in him. Yeah, yeah. To say yeah. when when Gandalf says pity. It was pity that stayed Bulbo's hand. Many that live deserve death. And some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise can see all ends. My heart tells me that Gollum has some part to play yet, for good or ill. Before this is over. The pity of Bilbo may rule the fate of many. Then Frodo sees Gollum not as this terrifying creature that's following them, but as someone to be viewed with a little more consideration. I think a judgmental character would double down on judgment there. I agree. The empathy takes over because that's really what's at his core. Right. And also because at that point, Gollum is a scary shadow. Right. And and when you actually start interacting with Gollum, it's easier to have empathy. Yeah. And that's one of the first lines in Two Towers. But now that I see him, I do pity him. Yep. Yeah, when you have a real, you can you can always make you can always demonize the people in that country over there who look different from us, and their economies raging, and they may have nuclear missiles, and clearly they're the enemy. And then you go there, yeah, and interact with them, meet them on the battlefield. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, boom. All right. Yeah, his exact line is maybe he does deserve to die, but now that I see him, I do pity him. And and I think a one would lean a little bit more in, into the hard and fast rules. Yeah, you the one is going to trust the principles that they have embraced in the past that have gotten right. them to this part, whereas I imagine the four would trust their emotional center a lot. Right, right. Take a trip around the bases, T.J. Wilson. I can't believe I did it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> The three week <sighs> marathon. I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> Although I, I your will daughter say, might have a kick ass time. <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't be upset if she never encountered Disneyland. Um, I, today, in particular, okay. I spent a good part of the day really nervous that I wasn't going to be able to pull this off. <laughs> Holy cow. Because the argument for a one in stress is so strong it's it's solid but um yeah we don't need to rehash it i I already won so (laughs) i i like the argument uh elijah wood is uh is a four and you you absolutely cannot separate the character from elijah wood (laughs) i mean maybe not elijah wood may not be a four but those eyes or a a heart type i should say good night those eyes are four for sure (laughs) so good all right man well there it is quick plug for where we're going don't turn off the podcast just yet 2022 is gonna be filled with us doing deep dives back into the enneagram 
not just characters and no more typing. Like we can start doing some legit work. Yeah. Uh, the first series that we're going to do is on love and how we connect with other people. I'm so thrilled about the material that we're going to hit up between here and Valentine's Day. You got you got land the triple somersault on Valentine's Day. If you do an epic series on love, come on. Yeah, should be nice. Lead up, help prepare for the love holiday. We have something very special for Valentine's Day. I'm so excited for this. And then, uh, and then we got we got a handful of interviews in 2022, and we're gonna do some one-offs, um, lots of content that TJ and I have wanted to talk about for at least two years. But yep. villain series and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> well, and also, us. you know, part of us did. We we had to just get through some some time. Truth, <laughs> my man. The next time that we record one of these silly things, we might be in the same room together. Ooh, that'd be it fun. Could, could happen. Yeah, I'd like well, that. Well, that's what I got. I just want to reiterate that we landed in a place where all nine characters of the original Fellowship mm. are one of the nine types. Yeah, we should go down the list. I didn't think about I'm that. Here. Super happy about that. I got the list right here. Oh, all right. I don't have them in order or anything. Just the order that we discussed them. Let's go, uh, yeah, our final. All right, so this is the Grand Master typing throwdown list for Lord of the Rings. Who made it? Let's start with the, the ones. Who, who hit it? The ones. We have the 1-1, one, one, Boromir. Was our only one? This is the only one. How many? Of all 22 many? characters that we discussed. We had a slew of twos, though. We did have a slew of twos. For twos, we have Gollum, Denethor... Galadriel with an asterisk. Yeah, big asterisk there. She's big asterisk. (laughs) Uh, Galadriel uh, is a very healthy character that we didn't necessarily land on, but I still say two. She's going to live in the land of Thor. Yep. Which is our, uh, what what would you call that? That's purgatory. It's it's, uh, (laughs) Enneagram purgatory. purgatory. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, uh, Galadriel and then Arwen and Mary. Mary Attic. Man, I wish I argued for Arwen better because I listened to that podcast a handful of times and I just, I still like and you her were as still a three. Wrong? No, you're just wrong. like her That's as fine. a three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then moving to threes, we had uh, Legolas and Theoden. Hey, yep. Theoden's one that you won. Yay. <laughs> it's, it's one that TJ spent maybe. 20 seconds on and moved on to his big nine. (laughs) Yeah. It was way off. Uh, All right. And then moving to fours, we had Eowyn and we decided today Faramir and Frodo. Come on. And then for fives, we had Gandalf again with an asterisk. Because Gandalf is a very, very healthy character that we couldn't necessarily type, but I'm still claiming Gandalf as a five. Notice it's the only uh, one of the Fellowship that has an asterisk, I think. Yep, that's true. He's the healthiest of the whole Fellowship. Which makes sense. Uh, Elrond and Wormtongue were both fives. And then for our one lonely six, we had Samwise Gamgee, the hero of the whole story. That's shocking that we only had one six. Yeah, I, I feel like sixes are, like, it's it's an easy character to write, but Tolkien leaned pretty hard in the heart triad. Yeah. 
There was one grandmaster, like legit grandmaster Enneagram teacher who we saw speak last summer who typed Tolkien, I think is a five or a six. Okay. He, I think he wanted to put him on that line. And so I'm real surprised that that's how all the characters ended. So yeah. anyway. Interesting. Uh, and then our one seven was Pippin. One seven. Yeah. And I don't remember Pippin's full name. Peregrine Took. Oh, yeah. Peregrine Took. Because his name's not Pippin. Uh, and then our single eight, Gimli. Gimli, something of Gloin. And for nines, we landed with... Uh, nines were easy. It was Aragorn and Treebeard. Just the two? Yeah, I think just the two. Two yeah. nines. So... It's not me on that. A lot up front. It was. It was just all heart triad. And then I suppose we had uh, Ian Holmes' Bilbo as a five and Martin Freeman's Bilbo as a nine. Oh, that's right. Yep. Rock and roll. It's a good list. There it is. should be proud of that list. All right, man. Well, next time we're entering a new year, looking for Betty the Gold to lead us out of this sucker into the promised land. Dear listener, it would mean the world to us if you take two seconds, give us some stars on Spotify or iTunes or your podcasting platform of choice. Reviews are always appreciated and they mean the world to us. So if you take two seconds to write a review, it helps people to find the podcast and and allows us to keep going. So you can find all the links to all of our stuff at aroundthecircle.org. That will have a link to our Patreon stuff which we are presently moving about half of our material over there and putting up videos and we're going to do some fun stuff in the future and you can get uh, free tickets to events which we're going to start up again this year and shout outs on the Twitter and Instagram are always appreciated but of course the best thing you can do is share this with somebody that you love preferably somebody who loves the Lord of the Rings and wants to talk about their inner life so that's what I got you got anything else I got nothing man you see Jay Wilson He's officially a perfect game thrower. Nine straight innings of fastballs. I did it. I did it. Bang, bang, bang. Like a victory lap. <laughs> and I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. If it's your duty to throw the ring of power into fires of Mount Doom, then by God, you need to go and do it. Even if you don't know the way. <laughs>